Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. And we're going to uh, look at two words that we see in the Bible today that are very closely related, that are very similar, that just happen to come from the same Greek word. Okay? Now, obviously, we are not going back to the Greek people here at all. And right here is one of the reasons why. Because I'm going to show you a mistake that people often make when going back to the Greek and, you know, in an attempt to either correct the King James or to give more clarity to the King James. And the reality is, if we have an accurate translation, which I believe we do, then the translation should tell us everything that we need to know. If we have to go back to the Greek to understand it, then they didn't do a really good job translating it. So, uh, you know, people need to pick what they actually believe when it comes to these things. And sometimes even King James Olius, you know, they will. They will point out the fact that sometimes um, different words in the English language all come from the same Greek word and therefore they are synonyms. And that's not necessarily true. That is absolutely not necessarily true. And I'm going to show, I'm going to illustrate that as we go through this. And so understand while there is such a thing as synonyms, don't let people tell you that it's okay to be changing words around in the King James because of synonyms. It means the same thing. Well, no, not necessarily. Okay. Are you sure it's an identical synonym? You know, and the reality is, and this is what um, nobody wants to admit, because people who try to correct the King James usually are people who think they're really smart. And the, the reality is, we do, I've yet to see a person even qualified to translate, you know, the uh, Greek into even modern English. You know, the level that people are at who translated the King James Bible, they we just don't have those people like that today. We really don't. And the the eggheads today will not admit that, but I'm just they are not displaying the level of knowledge and intelligence one would need to have to do it and um especially when you compare it to the people who translated the King James. But anyway, let's go ahead and read through this passage. I want to point out some things. It says then he also said and then he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. Okay? A, notice that word, a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no, uh, be no longer steward. So a steward, that is somebody who takes care of something that belongs to somebody else. And so the work that a steward does is stewardship, you could say. So keep those words in your mind. Then the steward said unto himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. So because he was a bad steward, the stewardship is going to be taken from him, that job. So keep that in mind. That word stewardship, how it's going to be taken away. I am resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? He said, A hundred measures of oil. Send him, take thy bill. Sit down quickly, write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. 
And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So notice, if you're a faithful steward, more will be committed to you. But if you are an unfaithful steward, then what you have will be taken away from you. And it's important, and I'm not going to take time to prove this. I think we all understand this here. But in this parable about the stewardship, this was directed at Israel who had been given the stewardship of the things of God, the things of the temple, the sacrifices. They were to be a light to the world. We've talked a lot about these things in the past. And because they had failed and they had not used the Lord's goods as he wanted them to, the stewardship was taken from them and given to another nation. And so that's what this parable is about. And so they had not been faithful in what they had received, so it was going to be taken away from them. So, um, I, want to, I want to point out some things though about that word uh, stewardship. Okay, Because again, if, if our, and remember, if our King James Version is right, then it would be technically wrong, or it wouldn't be technically wrong to tell people that, or it would be, it would be technically wrong to tell people you can't go back to the Greek. Okay? If our King James is right, people should be able to go back to the Greek and it should say the same thing, right? So obviously, I don't tell people you can't go back to the Greek. However, if you're going back to the Greek is making you correct the King James Bible, then obviously one is an authority over the other. And obviously you are putting a, you know, and for an English speaking person who is not fluent in Greek, for them to put their faith and their, their authority on a Greek version, I don't know, I, that just seems a little flimsy to me. I don't know if I trust you. Are you sure you're good enough at the language to even understand it? Because too, what these people often describe doesn't make sense. And one of the most self-authenticating things about the King James is it never contradicts itself. It absolutely never contradicts itself. But here's what often happens when people are going back to the Greek is they are often, you know, promoting a false doctrine. And that's why they feel the need to make corrections. If your doctrine is off, well, then, of course, the King James is not going to make sense sometimes. But maybe you should let the King James Bible, you know, change your doctrine rather than letting your doctrine change the Bible. That's what people need to do, and they're not doing it. And so all one needs to do to understand a word and how it is being used, it's not by going back to the Greek. It's by looking at the context of the word. It's by seeing how the word is used. When you do this, you will be able to figure these things out. And you will figure out too, if you see a Greek word and translated, for example, stewardship in one place, and you see that same Greek word uh, translated to dispensation in another place, you will find out that those words, they're not necessarily synonyms. 
But they chose those words for a reason. And you can figure that out if you look at the context. But often what people do, they'll just point out the Greek word and say, look, it's the same thing. Therefore, they're synonyms. Well, not really. So, for, so again, the word steward, that is from the Greek word oikono, oikonomos. I'm probably not going to say these things right. Forgive me. I don't pretend to speak Greek. Okay, but uh, uh, bear with me. That is the Greek word. If you look it up in the concordance, it's, it's G3623. Okay, they have them all, they have them all numbered. Okay. And then, um, so it, that's where we see the word steward is from there in Luke 16.1. And the definition means a house distributor. That is a manager or overseer that is an employee that in that capacity, by extension, a fiscal agent. So understand when it comes to stewards, when it comes to um, when it comes to that job of a steward, that can involve many different things. There are many different areas where one can be a steward. So steward, it is. It's kind of a very general term. It would be like servant. Okay, servant is a very broad term. But sometimes we will have words that explain a servant, but we have it in a more specific area. So, like for example. I might, you know, hire some, you know, I might hire Chloe to be my servant in a certain area. But if I also hire her to be a janitor, that is also a servant, but it's a little more specific about what she does. But if I was to call her servant, that's not wrong. If I was to call her janitor, it's not wrong. And so sometimes in the Bible, that word steward, it is, it's more of a broad term. And sometimes the Bible, uh, it's talking about something more specific and so when the King James translators translated that word steward, they went with the more specific term for that because it was clear from the context what kind of steward is being discussed. And so it would give us a better understanding of what the writer was explaining if it uses that word. So, uh, so keep that in mind. But anyway, so another word, or, um, or so in that definition too, um, for the uh, oikonomos, it means figuratively a preacher of the gospel is one of the things it has in there. A chamberlain, a governor, or a steward. Now, how is it, why is preacher of the gospel in there? That's important too. When it's talking about a steward, one of the definitions that's in the Greek is a preacher of the gospel. That's, impo- that, that's important too because did you know preachers of the gospel are also stewards? Preaching the gospel is being a steward. That is something that it, the gospel message is something that belongs to God. And it's something that he has put in our trust. And so we, what are we supposed to do with the gospel that we have been given? We are supposed to tell other people. While, when, while we take that water of life and we drink it, you know, out of our belly are supposed to flow living waters. We're not supposed to just keep this stuff in to ourselves, we're supposed to give it out. We're supposed to spread it. That's what you do as a steward of the gospel is you give it out. Now, can anybody think of another word for giving something out? Yeah, dispensing or dispensation. And that word dispensation, it comes from the same Greek word. So keep all that because a lot of people think a dispensation is like a period of time. Okay, they think it, or, or even not just the period of time, but specifically oikonomia, economy. And they'll say it's like a, like a, basically a, a, a time 
when God dealt with man in a specific way and it had specific rules and all these different things, and they tie all this dispensational nonsense in there, and the, but that's not technically right either. And that's definitely not how the word dispensation is used in our King James Bible. It's not even close to how that word is used in our Bible. And so that word, again, that word stewardship, though, it comes from the Greek word of oikonomia, which is the same, where the word dispensation comes from. And remember, uh, the one we looked at for stewardship, that's G3623, where steward uh, is 3622. They're right by each other in the, in the uh, concordance. And that means administration of a household or a state, specifically a religious economy, dispensation, stewardship. So stewardship and dispensation, those words are very closely related. I mean, they are, they are very close to the same thing. And so, we're not going to go through all of Luke 16 again, but we've already looked at the word and how steward and stewardship is used. And so again, in, in our modern English language, we're still pretty familiar with the term or the word steward or stewardship. Stewardship is a work that someone does on behalf of someone else. And the definition of stewardship is the position and duties of a steward, a person who acts as the surrogate of another or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. So again, what are we a steward of? We are stewards of the gospel. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul says that. These are things they belong to God, but He's given these things to us. And when God gave these things to us, He expected us to use them and do something with them. God did not expect us to just take these things for ourselves and just use them for ourselves. We are to use them for His purpose and His glory. So another place where we see the word um, oikonomia, or economy, or however you say those words used, in Titus 1.7, it says, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. So we see that same word where we get the Greek word dispensation or stewardship uh, in Titus 1.7. Another word that the Bible uses is um, chamberlain is another word. Uh, Romans 16.23, Gaius mine host, and of the whole church saluteth you, Erastus, the chamberlain of the city saluteth you, Portus and brother. So chamberlain, it also comes from the same Greek word we have stewardship, but chamberlain also is something a little more specific. It, it's still a role of being a steward, but it's just a more, it's a little more specific in what it involves. Uh, we see in 1 Corinthians 4.1, it says, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. If you are going to be put in charge of something that does not belong to you, you need to be faithful. You're not going to keep putting your money in a bank that keeps losing all your money. You're not going to keep investing in stocks. When you invest in stocks, those people, those brokers... They're, a broker is also a steward. Okay, so But in our English language, I wouldn't be wrong to say, if I was a stockbroker, to say, I'm a steward. I wouldn't be wrong in saying that. But I would also not be wrong if I said, I'm a stockbroker. That and that's actually more specific. And that's how it is, the reason the King James uses some of the different words 
even though it was from the same Greek word, is because it's being more specific about what that job is. Um, in Galatians 4.2, it says, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. A governor also comes from the same Greek word. But again, a governor, too, in the way it's used there, it's referring to someone who teaches somebody in the household, somebody who teaches the heir. A lot of times, you know, the rich people, their, their sons technically were in authority over all the servants, but often they would have servants that were older and who would help them and who would teach them. And they were to submit to those people, even though, they, and that's what he's explaining here in Galatians, even though they are going to be over them someday, who the father has actually put this governor over their child to help prepare them for being the one who eventually is going to inherit all these things. But that governor, he's not the heir. He's not the owner of these things. He's just a steward. But again, governor, it's a little more specific about what that role is. So this is, again, why all these people who want to go and read their Greek and say, that's from the same Greek word. Therefore, these things all mean the exact same thing. No, they don't. No, these things are actually... Uh, they're more specific words that, um, and you know, again, you know, the, I think, you know, if we all fully understood Greek too, you know, I'm sure we would get from the context of what they were speaking about in the Greek. You know, we would un- understand what that role was. But when they translate to English, it was, it was, it worked out perfect to just use a more specific word to help us understand exactly what it's talking about and what that person's uh, role was as a steward, what or what kind of steward they were. And so again, this takes us to another the, the word dispensation. Okay? So look at 1 Corinthians 9.17. This word dispensation, it comes from the same Greek word, the oikonomia or oikonomos, whatever. Same, same Greek word. And this, is, this word is used that, to, as justification to teach all kinds of dispensational nonsense. And so when people say, I believe in dispensations, that word's in your King James Bible. And then they go on to teach dispensationalism. It shows they don't understand what that word even is. They don't understand what that word even means. And just understanding that it is, it's referring to stewardship. Right there, it tells us a lot. It, it, it tells us a lot. But that word has not been being used that way in the last 200 years in a lot of churches. We've not used it the way Paul used it, the way it's historically been using, and so people get confused. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 9.17, and keep in mind that dispensation, it is. It's a stewardship. That's what it is. So it's a job of being a steward, of taking care of something that does not belong to you, that belongs to someone else. So 1 Corinthians 9.17 says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So what is a dispensation of the gospel? Well, it's this, it's the new gospel that came in the New Testament. It's the, it's the new gospel that came, not the same one that Jesus preached, the gospel of the kingdom, but it was a new gospel that was given to Paul. No, no, that absolutely is not what he's saying. You know what he's saying when he says the dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me? A stewardship of the gospel. I have been giving something. I have been given the job of taking the gospel and giving it out. And again, the gospel is, it's not like money. 
that quickly runs out. If you give me even a million dollars and you want me to be a steward of that million dollars and I just start giving it out, eventually it's going to run out. But when it comes to the gospel, you know, it's something that again, like Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living waters. We don't run out of the gospel. You can't give the gospel too much. You can't give it to too many people. But here's what you, what we can do with the gospel that's wrong is contain it. What we can do with the gospel that would cause us to be a bad steward is to just have it and not be giving it out. We're like that unjust steward who went and buried the talent that he had. The one talent he had, he didn't multiply it, he didn't use it. That was being a bad steward. And so when God gave us the gospel, okay, or when we received the gospel, we got saved. God called us into the ministry to give out the gospel to people and we are not to contain it we are not to just keep it for ourselves we are to dispense it we are to distribute it we are to give it out that is what a steward of the gospel does and and paul had a dispensation or a stewardship he had a job is what he's saying and in first corinthians 9 we're not going to read through all of it but he's been talking about you know how it's appropriate and it's actually biblical for him to be compensated for what he's doing. That's what he's been, that's what he's been doing. Now, he didn't use that power, but at the same time, you know, when he, that's the context of what he's talking about. But he said, a dispensation of the gospel has been given to me. I have a job. It's a legitimate job. I have a stewardship. And, and so his particular stewardship, again, if he had just said stewardship, everybody knows what stewardship is. But that is a very broad thing. Okay? For example, if, if somebody is a steward of someone's house, okay, well then that person, maybe that person travels around a lot and their job is just to keep the house intact, to keep things running, to keep things clean, to keep things looking nice, to keep things, uh, to keep up with repairs and stuff like that. That's what you would do as a steward of someone's house or householder. Another word, uh, that they, that Greek word comes from. So, uh, but when you are a steward of the gospel, you're not just protecting it. Okay? For example, in a bank, you want them to protect your money. You'd like a little bit more, but with our interest rates that we have, you barely get anything you know, as a result of them doing that. But you want them to protect what you have. When it, that's what their stewardship is. But the stewardship of giving the gospel, it is. It's a little different than other stewardships where the whole point of being a steward of the gospel is you are dispensing it. You are giving it out. So the word dispensation is a great word to use to describe the type of stewardship that Paul had. So, but it is, it's, it's a giving out of the gospel. So that, that is a stewardship. But can you see how that's not even close to how people are using that word today? I mean, go read Larkin's Dispensational Truth and you will not see the word used that way. Go listen to 99.9% of dispensational preachers and 100% of them that have southern accents and they will not use that word dispensation the way that we are, the way that Paul used it, the way it is supposed to be used. They absolutely will not do that. So, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Now that we understand all this. And, so, and because this next verse that we're going to see is one that I can see why people think this advances their idea of what a dispensation is. But they only perceive it that way because, one, they don't know the definition of the word and they have a preconceived idea. But let's read Ephesians 1.10. And it says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, 
he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And I really wish I had time to do a deep dive on Ephesians chapter 1. But I can see if you just isolate that verse, hey, that does look like it's talking about a period of time, an economy, as they try to say, or whatever. But this verse is simply saying, and if I need to go and expound on Ephesians 1, I have no problem doing this. But this verse is simply saying that in the giving out or in the administration of the fullness or completion of time, okay, that, that's, that's what it's describing, in the, in the administration of the fullness or completion of time. Okay, Paul is basically explaining the revealing of the previously hidden truth of the inclusion of the Gentiles. Okay, that's what that's the whole point of Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter two, and Ephesians chapter three, but, and, and Ephesians chapter four. Some of it's in there too. That God has always intended to include the Gentiles in His plan. That's always been God's desire. That's always what God has wanted, and God has revealed more information and more knowledge about the gospel, you know, throughout time and. God used Paul to reveal much more information about the same gospel. And so in Ephesians chapter 1 here, again, when he is saying, cause, well, let's, let's go back and read a little bit more. Look at verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. What is the mystery of his will? Which individuals are going to get saved and which ones aren't? Which babies are elect and which ones aren't? No. The mystery of his will was that it was always his will to include the Gentiles. The Jews did not understand that. Even the Christians in, in, the, in the early church in Acts did not understand that. Even though it's, it is in the scripture. We, we can't go back to the Old Testament and not see it all over the place. That's because these things have been fully revealed to us. But that early church did not understand this. But it was revealed. And so having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation, in the dispensing, in the, in the giving out, in that stewardship of the fullness of times or the completion of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. This is what God has always wanted. Jew and Gentile alike, all included, all made one. Chapter 2, he broke down the middle wall partition. And then chapter 3. Let's look at chapter 3. Because we see the word again. It says, If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. This is not a period of time. So it's talking about a stewardship. Okay, let's think about it that way. In that stewardship of the grace of God, which is given me to you work. Okay? Paul had received a dispensation, a stewardship, a job, a commission. You could say, we often talk about the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? To go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what that is? That's a dispensation. That's, that's a stewardship. Jesus told his disciples, hey, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And then what does he do? He tells them, now you go and give the gospel to every creature. And Christ is in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We are here on earth. He has given us the gospel. He has given us the inf this information. He has given us his word. He has given us all these things. And it is our job to take these things and to give them out and to spread them and to, and to teach people and all these things. That is a stewardship. That is a dispensation. 
Now, why aren't people wanting to explain what dispensation is? Because if we understand that a dispensation is a stewardship too, we might understand, well, wait a minute, isn't that what was taken away from Israel? You know, there it was, it was, that was something that was theirs and it was taken from them and given to us. And so they don't want to connect the stewardship that was taken from Israel with the dispensation that was given to guys like Paul. They don't want to, they don't want to do that because that shows, you know, a shifting of some things, a replacing of some things, and that'll mess with a lot of their treasured theology. So if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to your word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a foreign few words, it's in chapter one, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body. When I listen to Calvinists go to Ephesians chapter 1 to teach some individuals are elect and some are not, I just, I just want to go and I want to get something really big and heavy to hit them with and write Ephesians 3 on it and smack them across the face with it. It's like, have you ever read Ephesians 3? The mystery is not about God knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. No, the mystery's been revealed. The mystery has been revealed, and that's that God wants to save Jew and Gentile. You know what? God wants to save everybody. Obviously, only those who believe are going to get saved, but God does want to save everybody. And so, it's been revealed. The Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Fellow heirs with who? With, with the Jews. With the saints of old. And of the same body and partakers. Partakers. He wants us to partake in something that someone else was going to be, was the original recipient of. And it was those of Israel. We're going to be partakers uh, in, of His promise in Christ by the Gospel. And so people too, they will go, well, look at all those Old Testament things was about the Jews. But no, we are a partaker in Christ by the Gospel. What does that mean? By, by the good news. That even though you were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind, Jesus Christ broke down the middle wall partition that was between us. Jesus took those carnal ordinances that were in the way and He, he removed those things and He nailed them to His cross. Again, there is nothing in the Old Testament, there is nothing that you can find in the law that can exclude us from the promises of God because we find, uh, we find those promises in Christ. Any area where we come short, any area where we are not qualified, we are made qualified by the blood of Christ. That's what Paul is explaining here, and that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, same body, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And a minister is a steward as well. And so Paul, he was a minister. He was a steward. He had a dispensation, a stewardship. Okay, You can't be a steward unless you have a stewardship. You understand that? Okay, a steward, that is, that's just a title for a certain job. That would be like me saying that I am a, you know, will be a good job. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a mechanic, but I literally have no company I work for. I have no ability to do any vehicles. I've just bestowed that title upon myself. I was like, no, for you to actually be something, you have to have work that you do in that area. 
And, you know, and you typically, too, you have to have some kind of credentials or something like that, you know, to, to show your ability to serve in that area. And so Paul, he has a, Paul is a steward. And Paul, and so the Paul's stewardship is his dispensation of the gospel. And again, because with the gospel, the whole point is not us just saving it, protecting it, it's giving it out. So dispensation is a very specific word for the type of steward that he is. We see in Colossians 1.25, the fourth and final place we see the word dispensation is talking about the same thing. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. What is the dispensation of God? That's a special dispensation right there. No, it's the dispensation of God which is given to me. Paul said, I have this dispensation. It's a stewardship. It's, it's a job. It was something that God gave to him for you. The job that you do as a steward of the mysteries of God is you don't just keep them for yourself. You give them out. Moreover, it is, you know, as stewards of the mysteries of God, we do not hide these mysteries. We do not keep them to ourselves. We give them out. We tell everyone about them. We make them no longer a mystery. And so if you have a dispensation of God, which is given me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the true riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So right there we see again that word dispensation if we would think of stewardship in our mind. And if we would realize that again, we're not going to replace the word with stewardship because dispensation is a very specific kind of stewardship where you do not protect something, but where you take it and you give it out. And if you, if you are a, you cannot be a steward of the mysteries of God and of the gospel if you're only keeping these things to yourself. Because that's not what God called us to do with that work, with that dispensation or that stewardship. He called us to give these things out, to spread, to spread the word. So again, you know, that big question, why did the translators use the word dispensation instead of stewardship? Well, the dictionary.com definition of dispensation is an act or instance of dispensing, distribution, something that is distributed or given out. So doesn't it make perfect sense why it uses that word when describing the job of being a steward of the gospel? It specifically uses a word related with stewardship, but it uses a word that refers to giving something out because that is what a steward of the gospel does. You give it out. And so every time you go out and you give the gospel to somebody, you know what you're doing? You are fulfilling you are, you are being a steward. You of the dispensation that you have been given. And that, that is what your job is. Anytime you have an opportunity to give someone the gospel and you don't give them the gospel, you're not being a good steward. You are not doing the stewardship or the dispensation that you have been given. God gave you, God has given us a job to do. And he wants us, he wants us doing it. And let me tell you, there's a lot of dispen, there are a lot of hardcore dispensational 
preachers. A lot of your preachers, too, who teach dispensational salvation, some of these guys are very negative about soul winning. And I find that interesting. How can you claim to be a dispensation person and not be for soul winning? Think about that. In, in, in reality, when, when you are, the, you know, dispensate, the word dispensation and soul winning, they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? You're literally fulfilling your dispensation anytime you go soul winning. That's, so that's what that, that's what that word means according to the Bible. So listen, we can definitely trust our King James. The translators knew what they were doing and never allow someone to use the fact that the same Greek word is used to replace it with a different word. Okay, that's just, it is so dangerous to mess with this proven, tried and true, te- true tested text. I would not mess with it at all. And so again, a bonus point too, is that the fact people who go back to the Greek don't like to compare this with the word stewardship. It is. It's because it's that reminder, Israel lost the stewardship. That's why, they, that's why they don't want to do this. And so, just an interesting thing to keep in mind because uh, we're just starting as we go through Matthew to get into the parables. And a lot of them is about, a lot of them are about stewards. And so keep that in mind because, uh, that, again, that word dispensation, it's very closely related. And Israel, Israel lost their dispensation. And that sounds weird to a dispensationalist. But it's not weird if you understand what that word actually means. So hopefully that was helpful to you. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. We thank you so much for uh, your word. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for our King James Bible and just the clarity that it gives us that other versions absolutely do not give. And we just thank you for preserving your word for us. And I pray that uh, this will just increase our faith in what it says and that we'll, uh, we'll let it form our doctrine instead of trying to use our doctrine to form uh, the Word of God. In your name we pray.